Accountants, it's time to make it count. My name is Freddie Bennett, former accounting industry executive turned entrepreneur, business owner, change maker, and Guinness world record holder. In each episode, we bring you the powerhouses from across the accounting world to help you discover how to unlock endless possibilities, turbocharge your accounting practice, and make it count in business and in life. Thank you for showing up for yourself today. Now, let's dive into another unmissable episode of Make It Count. Welcome to another episode of Make It Count. And today, folks, I have got a real treat for you. I am delighted to welcome Kirsty Nash. Director at Sidekick Accounting. Kirsty, welcome to Make It Count. Awesome, Freddie. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to have you here, Kirsty. I am so excited about this episode. I know we're going to cover some great topics. Um, but Kirsty, to start us off, for anyone that hasn't heard of yourself or heard of Sidekick, tell us a bit about yourself. Sidekick is a South Island-focused um, accounting and advisory firm. We have eight offices and about 65 staff across the South Island. I'm from Ashburton and I started Sidekick Ashburton four years ago, actually, to, to nearly to the day. Previously in my uh, earlier life, I was an accountant at public practice here in Ashburton and then I decided to leave the country for what was supposed to be two years, turned into 11, <laughs> um, and spent some time between the UK, Canada and Samoa. And then mm. I got an opportunity to open an office in Ashburton for Sidekick. And it wasn't, an, it wasn't a new opportunity. It was something that was presented probably five years earlier, but I was five years younger and, <laughs> and probably just didn't feel quite ready for that change or commitment in my life. So yeah, I started it um, four years ago and we've got a great wee team here of um, there's six in our office. Yeah, I'm a CA by by trade, so that's a chartered accountant for those that don't understand that designation. And um, yeah, I've been working in the industry for well since I left high school, a long time. <laughs> <laughs> don't need to give my age away. <laughs> Perfect, and I, I can't wait to, to delve into into some of those different avenues of your journey. And and you said that that you you got into this uh, after leaving high school. Was was it always your your aim to go into accountancy? I embarrassingly, I want to say yes, it actually <laughs> was. And I know accountants have a bad rep, but I, I was at school. I really took to um, accounting, economics and maths. It was definitely my stronghold. And I sort of growing up, I just I, I just seen it as a really good, strong career and probably something that was really durable, um, travel with. Um, and I, I remember someone made a comment to me when I was a bit younger that the world will always need accountants. I was like, oh, that's a good, solid career. So, yeah, strangely, <laughs> yes, I did make the decision reasonably early on in my, my teenage years. But I think that's that's a powerful thing, though. I know what you say. We, we hear that a lot on this podcast, and that's one of the, the myths that we try to dispel when people kind of hear accountancy and, and they, you know, they roll their eyes or, or just have the idea of the stereotypical bean counter. But I think you're right in terms of that. Listeners get bored of hearing me say this, but I know you may not have heard it before. I believe accountants are the magicians of the business world. The the opportunities that you have 
to make a difference to clients' businesses, to their lives, in terms of learning those skills, as you say, that can be used in different industries in different countries. I think it's it's a fantastic opportunity to really get that that foundational knowledge of of, of how businesses runs and and how they can change. Oh, I completely agree. Like it, when I first started as an accountant, it was definitely quite transactional, but that that's the foundations and that's critical to mm. getting into the advisory space. So you need to learn that. But you learn very, very quickly. Um, I, I had a stint in banking as well in between these roles, but mm. you learn very quickly that money is, everyone has money, like no matter where you go, it's a, it's a topic in everyone's life. It's a very, very important and sensitive topic, often mm. unspoken about. So we're, we're entrusted with a lot, you know, our clients have a lot of faith in us. Some of the conversations we have in our, our, our boardroom isn't about GST coming up or the income tax payment coming up. It's, it's sig- more significant than that. Mm. I think you're right. And that's one of the the, the key balances that, that I find. Because on, yeah, you look at a balance sheet and, and it's yeah, very black and white. You have your numbers. It's about do, you know, do these numbers add up effectively. But the actual topic of, of money is so emotive and so emotional and then contains so many different intricacies and layers that, as you say, everyone has an opinion of it and, and it can get, certainly in client discussions as well, quite quite emotional. Oh, completely. I We're just talking recently with our team and someone asked me if I've had any tears in the boardroom. And <laughs> I can't count on the number, I can't count the number of tears in one hand or two hands, it's it's more than that. It's mm. it's a very sensitive topic. I think so. And and how so when we when we spoke about uh, your your career and and the steps forward when you realised that you say you wanted to go into this industry, you learned the foundation of it. Was there a particular moment when you thought actually I'm an accountant, but I'd like to be able to to be more of a leader in this space. I'd like to potentially have my my own teams and my own uh, practice on my own firm was was that a yeah, like like a bolt from the blue realization was it something you always wanted did it just evolve like how how did that journey go that took quite a quite a long time for me so mm. I left high school and got a really awesome opportunity here in Ashburton a local accounting firm Croy's um, Trevor Croy gave me basically what I would call an apprenticeship so it's completely unheard of mm. so he helped fund um, my degree and I Mm. studied by correspondence and worked for him full time I didn't go to uni so it was a you know work and earn and study as you go so after doing that I got qualified but I sort of felt like I hadn't lived I I sort (laughs) of just was stuck um, studying working really hard and playing a lot of netball and I was like it's probably time to spread my wings a lot of my friends had done uni Mm -hmm. so I then went overseas and lived in London for a few years now like I will get to the point when I had that light bulb moment but Mm -hmm. I basically sort of what I thought in my head that I'd put push pause sort of on my career I was like go live but having had done my degree and had work experience when I hit London at the age of 22 and a half Mm. I was a step ahead of all my friends had just finished uni they'd only finished uni so I got a job the second day I was in London and I was away racing so my career never really went on hold even though I took an OE yeah Um, so even though that that first sort of five (laughs) years of my life was quite challenging um, from a time perspective and a probably a social perspective Mm. it actually held me an excellent so I got into the UK, got an excellent accounting job, but it was more commercial accounting. 
Okay. So different to public practice. Mm. So then again, I have you know never thought about opening a firm. Didn't know really where my world was going in my career. So I did that job. Um, loved it. Loved the travel. Loved the lifestyle. And then um, once my visa work visa expired there, I'd, I'd moved back to New Zealand and wasn't really sure what to do. So I got into banking. Um, mm. And I was like, well, maybe I'll try this avenue. And I did that for three years. And that was quite possibly the best experience I had ever had, or one of, because that job was quite full noise. It was intense, um, mm. KPIs to be met. And it was a different side of the financial world than public practice. And I learned so much about just banking rules, banking regulations, how to get lending for a client. So once I mm. finished that, I was still like, I really don't know what. Do I want to be a commercial <laughs> accounting? Do I want to be a banker? Do I want to be public practice? So I decided to fly over to Canada and have another wee OE. Again, found a job straight away because of the skills that I had um, and the degree I had. And that was commercial accounting for a large restaurant group there. And mm. it was so fun, so interesting. Returned to New Zealand when those visa, that visa expired as well because you only get short-term <laughs> visas, unfortunately. It focuses and I always knew New, Zealand, New Zealand was home for me, right? Yeah. I love New Zealand. Yeah, so... I wasn't willing to do what probably you've done, Freddie, and extend it and, and live in those countries. Um, so when I returned it to New Zealand, again, I was still just like, I'm just, nothing really stood out. Mm. So I got an opportunity to go to Samoa on a volunteer placement. Mm. Now, that was quite crucial for me because I was actually taking some unpaid time out of my career and just sort of figuring things out. However, the volunteer assignment was a financial one. Yeah. Um, I had to help write a financial paper over there around microfinance. When that come to an end, luck would have it. I was at a pub one day and um, met someone that owns quite a few businesses in Samoa and he would was chatting and he needed an accountant for his supermarket group. Mm. So he offered me a job before the day before I flew back to New Zealand. I come home, sorted my things out, flew back to Samoa and took the job. Wow. That was the light bulb moment. I then took over a finance team when I got there and, and it was my first time in that quite high level leadership role, running a finance team, four supermarkets, two duty-free stores and two fast food chains was, was mm. what I was looking after. Previously, I hadn't had a position of that sort of level in a managing team and that sort of responsibility. And it, I loved it. I, I love the responsibility. I love the challenge. Um, I love the impact you can make. I love training a team. So mm. I was doing that for a while and knew that I wanted to sort of get into business ownership myself. And that's when I was like, okay, it my, most likely isn't going to be in Samoa. It's going to be in New Zealand. What is it? And then then I reconnected with the psychic group, um, Dave Jessup, the founder, and he offered me an opportunity in Ashburton. And that that it just aligned then because I knew I wanted to do something and he connected with me and it was just it just seemed like a perfect fit. That's such an amazing story, as you say, going from from commercial to public to banking to commercial to, to Samoa and, and all these these different places. And I always love stories like this because I don't know if this this resonates or not, but that whole it's it's that thinking. If we're feeling a bit lost sometimes or we're not quite sure what the next stage is, something I always personally believe in is, is taking action. And it might not always be, even if we don't exactly know what the plan is, but thinking how how can I do something? How can we change the scene? How can we we, we try something different? And then the fact that you you did that and uh, went out to Samoa and 
and really stepped out of your comfort zone. I mean, were there ever any fears as part of this this oh, process yeah. when you tried new places and new industries? Oh, the, the fear was constant, but that was kind of the drive. Like I, I am like anyone that moves town, whether it's in the same country <laughs> or country. Mm. Um, you, you're restarting from scratch. And I mean absolute scratch. You're finding your supermarket. You're finding your local cafe. You're finding friends. What bank to go with a house, a car? How does um, the culture work? How do I navigate this? It's a complete reset. And it's something that I really admire when I hear people who have done it. I, and it's, But it's also really rewarding. Like you mm. just, it's, it's so amazing to achieve just those things. You know, not 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 going and necessarily traveling, but just relocating and, and mm. navigating that. It takes a good while to fit, fit in as well, wherever you go. So yeah, I had lots of fears along the road, but <laughs> I I think my my kind of philosophy in life is what's the worst that can happen. Mm. So if I got on a plane and I got somewhere and I was like, oh my gosh, this is just not for me. Well, I can get back on a plane and turn around and come back and go yeah. to my comfort zone. So yeah, what is the worst that can happen? It's not normally that bad. Definitely. As long as you've got a passport and a credit card or some access to cash. Mm. Exactly. Okay. And, I, and I love that. Yeah, you're, you're speaking to someone who has done it. So moved twelve thousand miles with um, yeah, no, no network, no connections, no family, no, no nothing. And so I totally resonate with that. And what I love about it as well is yeah, when you spoke about the um that the person you were that you bumped into and started talking to in a pub some people might hear that and say ah oh, that's that's just luck that's coincidence and maybe maybe it is slightly but you also have to be in that position to to have the the, the luck and the coincidence happen and you know, do you do you believe in in, in luck and I couldn't circumstance? agree more I couldn't yeah. agree totally more like sure there was a huge amount of luck we were in the same place at the same time we mm. had a mutual need for you know he needed an accountant I I had that skill set but I was at that place for a reason. You know, I was in Samoa already. I had my eyes open looking for opportunities. I, I talked to somebody at the pub. You know, there's all these things come. Mm. Yeah, luck is a, is a big <laughs> ticket. But, yeah, you definitely put yourself in those positions. And and most of my roles that I've got, I mean, you could probably say they all come down to luck. Um, but they were at the right place at the right time because I put myself in that position. And getting on a plane to London wasn't luck I saved mm. my money I applied for the visa I mentally went through the process you know mm, definitely and, and I think yeah. uh, another key point is around that longer term view because you you mentioned a, a bit earlier how you know you, you arrived in London and you had that advantage because you put the extra work in in uh, in those earlier years and I believe certainly speaking to, to maybe accountants at the start of their journey maybe it's partly a reflection of the world that we live in at the moment everyone's just kind of thinking three months feels like a like a lifetime away let alone three years or 10 years or 30 years and I think having that that long-term view of of how how will a bit of extra work or how will this strategic move that I'm making now this bit of extra time I'm investing or bit of extra money I'm investing help Help me in you know, in the next decade, and that that longer term perspective, I think, is it sounds like it's been really powerful. We are so right. We are rushing more than <laughs> ever at the moment. Mm. A great friend of mine, um, her and I were 
studying for our institute exams, our CA exams at mm. her house locally here. She was in Dunedin and studied. she just finished her degree in Dunedin and I was here. We, we met up one weekend to study and her dad walked in and asked how we could know and we both sulked and went, oh, you know, it's a weekend <laughs> we study. And he pointed to his degree on the wall and said, they can never take it away from you. Mm. And it was such a powerful line. Like I, I still, every time I catch up and I laugh about it, I was like, you actually like kind of just, you know, once you've got it, you've got it. Definitely. It seems so hard at the time, but you've got it forever. Exactly. And we, it's so easy to get caught up in, um, yeah, in that short-term sacrifice. I think we, yeah, we all naturally focus on, yeah, on things that might be a bit uncomfortable. And maybe that's, maybe that's studying, maybe that's you know, getting up to, to, to go for a run or a train or, or whatever it is. But if we think about the long-term goal of, of what we're aiming towards, and I think that's that's always a powerful way to get us over any kind of slightly short-term bumpy patches. Yeah, I completely agree. I completely Perfect. agree. And I think a one thing that if I was, um, like if I, we've just employed enough school person and mm. um and I've got two young daughters. Like if I can ever say anything to them will be the traditional way to get to the place that you need to get to isn't the only way. There mm. is other opportunities. And and I think me studying correspondence and working full time in an accounting firm sort of proved that. Mm. And I'm not saying that easier ways or or what. There, you know, there's who knows, but there are other opportunities. So if you're sitting at home and you're like, it's year 13 and I can't afford to go to university, financial means aren't in my favour, put a CV together, walk into a local accounting firm and ask them if they would help you to go through Polytech or university and mm. and start working for them. Not many would turn that opportunity away if someone's keen, you know? Definitely. And I think that that's such a powerful point in terms of one of my personal values is that there's always a way and and it's so easy just to to say oh i've you know i've i've tried this way it's not going to work it's time to it's time to give up or it's not for me but i think if we if we're prepared to to look at things from a different perspective if we're prepared to to work a bit harder or a bit differently or maybe just seek outside support or or guidance there is always a way to 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 make something happen there's always a way to to make it count just to to drop my own podcast name but there's there's (laughs) always a way um but but sometimes we just have to 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 look in, in in different ways yeah, I yeah, completely agree. Yeah, there's always different opportunities. Perfect. And, and so let's so let's sort of move to to the present day then in terms of your your role as you say you have yeah, your you have your your practice now. What what are you seeing and we we know that for many accounting firms it's around thinking how how can we shift from from compliance to advisory? How can we try and free up some resources so we can be to be de- delivering more of this advisory work? How how do you find managing your practice in terms of your clients and your team on, on a daily basis? Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, I've been very fortunate that when I first started my career, I worked in a public practice firm. And it was a public practice firm that was you know, compliance heavy and, and the couple of directors did the advisory. However, the compliance model that they ran was very well systemized in processes were in place. So when I started Psychic Burden, I had a really good foundation and I'm I'm only four years in. So I feel like I'm still cementing those systems and those processes. And I think and I know this sounds boring and a lot of accountants will be like, oh get to the advisory <laughs> point. But I don't think if you don't have that foundation 
mm. sorted for your compliance, you're really going to struggle getting to the advisory. Um, I also am a strong believer in it's very difficult to do solid advisory if the compliance isn't done well and right. Mm. Because the advisory comes in all shapes and forms, and yeah. it could be coaching without numbers, but mm. you need an element of the numbers, right? So, and you need a strong element of the numbers, I, I believe. Um, that's mm. because of accountant. But yeah, I think if you get your foundation levels right, um, ensure your process is uh, really strong, sort of really durable, and your team's really well trained and hummed, humming, and they can, you know, adhere to the process and the, and the systems, you will have freed up time to do more advisory. Definitely. Um, that ebbs into your clients as well. You know, we, we're currently um, supporting zero. So all our clients are on zero. We're on zero. So same lead your firm. Mm. So all the reports are done through there. That used to be quite new age. It's quite normal now. Um, so we've been new age for a long time. <laughs> we're paperless. There's not a single piece of paper in our office except for this piece of paper I printed today. Um, our clients use tools like HubDoc or uh, to, to capture sort of invoicing if they've for the operating systems, it's all you know electronic. They receive their goods in, they invoice their client out. So it's just having really, really good systems in place for our firm, mm. but also our clients. And then when they got like the actual operational systems humming, that's when we've got the time to spend and and delve more into their business, into their personal life, their goals, their ambitions. Mm. It's Definitely. a really cool space to be in. Like it, and like I said earlier in the podcast, we're trusted with so much. Mm. of our clients' lives um, and information. It's an absolute privileged position. It really is. And I think it's, it is something that you and many other accountants uh, have this, this view that not many other people get because, again, we, we, we spoke about money earlier, but then we always say it's going underneath to understanding someone's fears, their goals, their dreams. Many clients that we know accounting firms work with they might not know how to run a business or how to run a profitable business. They're either just inherited the business or they the business grew without them having a proper plan and that they find themselves in this situation where they're saying, well, I've, I've got this thing. I'm kind of, you know, I'm trying to grow it and keep it alive, but I don't really know what I'm doing. And I think that's where, where the accountant plays, not just the you know, the formal accountancy role, but they are the, the confidant, the advisor, the marriage counselor, I've been, I've been heard many times, and uh, mm-hmm. there's so many different different hats that that, that you have the the privilege to wear. But it is, it really is uh, an art in an industry that's that's traditionally seen as a very yeah a mathematical and, and scientific one. Yeah, I completely agree. My first boss, uh, Trevor Croy, said to me in a meeting, um, he wished he studied psychology. And mm. I asked why, and he said, you know, my accounting degree has helped, obviously. However, day-to-day, he's dealing with people yeah. and, and, and emotion. Mm. And if he could just understand people better, it would help his role. Definitely. It just resonates every day with me. <laughs> every day I go home and I get in the car and I drive to see my family and I think, what an interesting day I've had. Mm. You know, it's always and- dealing with people. And do you do you feel and that's that's a great point? I think are understanding people better. And I know in in my business, that's what so many accountants say to me that it is. Yeah, we think of accountancy as numerical, but the pain points that many accountants themselves feel it is around 
communication, psychology, dealing with people, dealing with confidence, imposter syndrome, all those those quite quite personal things. Is that something that that you found or is the same for for you and your firm? Yeah, we um I mean personally, I I imposter syndrome was a massive thing. It still mm. is. Um being a female um accounting practice owner is is quite rare. So that's mm. a tough one. Um my age as well in the town that I live in. Um, so I, I have the, the same things. I, when I started this business, is the first time I started a business as well. So mm. just like my clients, I I struggled and learnt along the way. Um, I've had a, we had a client in recently um, this morning who's going out on their own for the first time and they are nervous and they said mm. to me they were nervous and I said nerves are really good because it means you care, you know. Um, Definitely. You have other clients that uh, often go and start their business, don't engage with you at all, um, and then come to you after and go help, you know. So it's all <laughs> different people doing different things. And it's all about the person and the mm. personality. Um, everyone has different behaviours. Yeah, we quite it's quite interesting lately. I have noticed, um, I'm not sure if it's because we're getting uh, more mature as a firm and more comfortable and the relationships are getting stronger with our clients. We're asking a lot more deeper personal questions. Mm. you know what their goals are what's their personal debt level where do they want to get to what what kind of future do they want for their family for their for their kids for themselves mm. um, because really that you know their business is going to drive that definitely or, or, or it won't drive that and they need to make a change if they want to get to the lifestyle or that they want and, mm. that, and that varies too which is really cool and I think a really important role we need to take is everyone doesn't have the same goals Mm. they have their own goals and so it might be they want more time freedom that's a really important goal to that person it could be they want more mind freedom yeah or financial freedom and another three freedams I mean we we, we thrash it around a lot in a room with a client but ultimately all three freedoms you want to achieve mm. would be the ultimate goal but sometimes you, you you're doing one well and not the other two it's always a balancing act isn't it and and something great that that I heard uh, a while ago as well is, is thinking about people, uh, accounting firm owners and, and, and partners and directors, and and many of us in the accounting industry, we we kind of forget sometimes what it's like for for business owners who are maybe starting on their their own journey or um or are just facing a lot of change in their own lives that. We might be at, yeah, at square twenty on the board. Someone else might be at square two. And they say it's like um, it's like the golfer. And I'm, I'm not a golfer, so I'm going to probably ruin this analogy. But yeah, it's like the golfer that used to have a handicap of um, of twenty. Now they've got a handicap of zero, but they they can't remember what it's like to to be a to be starting out. And I think it always helps us to to, to just remember what it's like to be in those early days of the journey because it is. It is a combination of paths I find in terms of career, relationships, our own lives and everything else. And they all intertwine. And, and that's where, where accountants do have that amazing role to play to, to help untangle all this stuff. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, I've recently <laughs> just had my second child and um, there's nothing like humbling you than becoming a mum again. So mm. if you, if you, the analogy of the golfer, um, <laughs> You were once a handicap eighteen, and now you're a handicap two. You know, uh, with a with a mum, you know, a working mum, you 
might have managed X amount of hours and your mind was sharp and you were doing this and you were fit and then you become pregnant and you have a baby and you're starting a lot of those things, not just your fitness journey, but you're starting mm. um, your mental um, journey, your career journey often is starting again because mm. it's such a massive change in your life. So yeah, I can I can totally understand that analogy. <laughs> no, definitely. And uh, that, that's a great point. I mean, how... I'm sure you get this question a lot, but how do you manage it with, say, is wanting to be present? I say this as, as a parent myself as well, with 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 two kids. I know, yeah, just when you think you've got the you've got the first one handled, the second one comes along, and it's a whole new ball game um, because that's uh, yeah, it's a, it's another another balancing act. But but how how do you manage it in terms of the work, the home life, having time oh, for yourself? Yeah, if, if I was honest, I think it needs to be, you need to be really honest because it's quite a sensitive time. Like mm. it doesn't matter if you're a mother or a father, it's a very, very hard time. It's challenging. Um, there's a lot of emotion. There's a lot of lack of sleep. There's a lot to manage and juggle. Mm. Um, you're forever feeling guilt either which way you go. I'm not doing a great job at work. I'm not doing a great job at home. So when you say, how are you managing it? I, I'm not, would be the really honest, mm. brutal answer. Some days, I am managing work really, really well and I'm I'm ticking all the boxes and not managing home. And other days I'm managing home really, really well and not ticking the work boxes. So yeah, I'm not managing it, but I'm doing the best I can with the situation that I am in. Um mm-hmm. and I'm in the I'm in the thick of raising a family and growing a business. So surely it can only get easier from here. <laughs> And, and it's okay not to manage it too. I think it's really important to be honest and say you're not, and then that's okay. Mm, exactly, and I, I love that that honesty as well, Kirsty, because it's I think it's so, and you know, we, we see some places like LinkedIn and and so on where where everyone's like, you know, I have this and I do that, and it's difficult, but it's all wonderful, and and we do have days when when times are hard, and and I've I've certainly been there myself. Yeah, professionally, in terms of, of not feeling like I was doing a good enough job. And, and I know the, the the mental toll it personally took on me as well. But I think it is that that reminder that we can still do like, like a bloody good job, even if we feel that we're we're not doing enough or being enough or it hasn't been the perfect day. The fact that we've we've got through the day and we've made things happen and we have those say that those amazing kids relying on us. It's it's a powerful reminder that that we are making these these powerful changes happen in our lives, even if it doesn't always feel like we're winning. Yeah, it's um, it's a crazy ride, right? Becoming yeah. a parent, it's um, and I, I think having children has been one of the um, it's so cliche, isn't it? One of the best things that's ever happened to me. Mm. Absolutely, it is. One of the best things that ever happened to me was taking that initial step and getting on that plane to London because it's just changed my mindset completely and my mm. outlook on life and provided opportunities but having children has changed a lot of things for me as well like I would have a stressful day at work now it still can hit hard but Mm. it it hits less hard because I've got to come home and I've got to be present as a mum and I want to be Mm. you know like that's what really matters is that my kids are healthy and happy and my my family life is healthy and happy and I'm not going to get that always right Mm. but that issue that happened at work, you know, that client's going through an issue and I am empathetic and sympathetic for their situation. 
but I have to shut that door when I leave and come home mm. and be in my situation. I get that. You know, so it's it's actually really helped in, in a lot of ways. I think it helps. It really helps me, ground us. Sorry, you carry yeah, on. Yeah, totally, totally helps ground us. And another thing I noticed is a lot of my clients have children and, and, and most of them at all different age and stages, but in fact, most of them do. So now I've got another level of understanding with them, how mm. hard it is to run a business and raise a family at the same time, you know? Definitely. And I think you're right. It, it's a great way of, of grounding. And I yeah, I find that as well. You know, my my kids don't care if um, if I had a in the nicest possible. They're lovely kids. They do care, but they don't care whether um, whether my spreadsheet crashed, whether I had a deal go well, whether I had a deal go wrong, whether I had a great client conversation, whether I had a tough client conversation. They don't care about any of that. They just want me to be there and to to, to play with them or to let them stay up too late or whatever it is. Like I think it's it's a really powerful way of of remembering what what we do this for and also what what matters yeah i i completely agree and that comes back to that like coaching and advisory and you know Mm. you can help coach and advise your clients and work out their goals and what they want to achieve but you need to do it for yourself as well so practice what you preach Mm -hmm. and i do do that for myself and i'm always holding myself accountable and I, I fall out of my path on a regular basis, but I've got someone that kind of pulls me back into line. And yeah, and yeah I think it's it's really, really important. I think it's that, that realistic view as well. You know, they um they say when when a plane takes off, let's say it's a plane going from uh, from New Zealand to the UK, it's not always gonna just fly in a totally straight line. They're always making slight course corrections of one degree left, one degree right. To make sure they they ultimately end up in in the destination that they need to get to, but it's it's those it's recognizing when they're going slightly off course and taking that small corrective action that means that they get where they're going in in the first place. Yeah, that's the growth, isn't it? Those yeah. off course tracks. Yeah, definitely. And Kirsty, I've got to ask as well. You mentioned you know being on on that that flight to London. Do you ever? Do you ever think what would happen if you hadn't got on that plane? If if you hadn't started that, if you just said, "Oh, I, I'm going to go to London one day. One day I'm going to do this one, but it's not the right time. I don't have the right money. It's there's something that's any reason why." Does does that ever cross your mind? That kind of like sliding doors moment frequently, <laughs> and I I can actually see what my life would have been exactly like if I hadn't done that. I would be still, mm. I would be living in Ashburton and I am, okay? So I'm still back, I'm here where I am, but I, I wouldn't have done a whole lot of things. I would not be in the role I'm in. Mm. My self-esteem wasn't huge like back then. I mean, I had, I was like confident enough to get on a plane, I guess, which probably everyone thinks like that's huge confidence. But generally my self-esteem or like my self-worth wasn't high then. I was a young Mm. 20-year-old. That has grown significantly from those experiences. I wouldn't have, I completely have a different outlook on life and how we should engage with one another like you know just everyone's equal everyone's opportunity should be equal mm. Every, yeah I don't know understanding cultures there's just so many cool things about taking that leap Definitely. Um, so yeah I can t- completely vision uh, c- c- completely see the vision of my life had I not taken that plane it's a powerful it's, it's a powerful vision isn't it and I, I heard recently um, someone say 
their definition of hell was when the person that you are meets the person that you could have been. And um, I think that's wow. that's such a, a key a key driving force around it. Yeah, we I think in some cases we all we all always want more, and we always say, oh, "I'd love to go to this place or do that thing." But I think it's that whole trying to to live and and have our careers going in a way where we can say yes to opportunities more often than we say no. I think yeah, again, life life isn't always black and white. It's always a perfect balance. But I always believe if we can. If we could have ourselves in a position where we we can say yes and and not have too many career regrets, then um, then that surely has to put us in in the right direction. Yeah, it's career regrets. You don't really want too many of them, but you also don't want mm. any like personal regrets as well, and you don't want those career decisions to sacrifice your personal decisions you know um I just recently someone <laughs> overlooked my shoulder when I was at a baby shower and they play baby games at baby showers believe it or not <laughs> and one of them was to follow this card you know guess the mm. day wait da, da, da. one of the questions was what do you believe I w- will be when I grow up and mm. I always write the same answer on everyone's piece of paper for that question at a baby shower mm. and I just write one word and it's happy Amazing. Because I don't want that kid to grow up or that parent to grow up and think they're going to be a doctor or an accountant or a a pilot. Mm. That's irrelevant if they're not happy. Definitely. Yeah. So I I see that a lot in in the industry. I saw that a lot in the the accounting industry in certainly in the UK and with, and you're right, I know a lot of doctors as well. And I, I think it's a bit sad in a way. And maybe if I'm totally honest, I was in this position as well in in a number of years in my career where I was being someone that I thought I should be. And we have people that feel that I, I should be an accountant because my parents were accountants or I should be a doctor because my my whole family wants me to be a doctor. I know certainly in my role, I was I was being this person that I didn't really want to be because I thought that's that's who I should be. And this per, this version of me, will be liked and respected and successful if you want to define it that way. But I think it's it's when we start to discover who we really are and who we really have the potential to be, that's when we can start to get that that true happiness. Oh, I completely agree. And I think it's really important for anyone who's listening is to understand that that realisation mm. may happen when you're 18 or 30 or 50 it doesn't matter definitely if you get to that realization at some point in your life then that is success yeah exactly i love it when the conversation goes this way kirsty people are thinking like oh this is going to be all <laughs> like forecasting and budgeting it this is this is the, the the great stuff i think this this is really what what matters and and i'm i'm aware of of our time as well but i wanted to to get your view on on the future in terms of what the future looks like for you, for for your business, for Sidekick, and also for the industry, because I know you said right at the start, um, you know, around going into the into the industry, and someone saying, "Oh, the world will always need accountants." And now, with what we're seeing with things like outsourcing and AI and everything else, do you think that's the case? And how how does the future look? Do you feel? I think the long-term future accountants are always going to be required. Their role is changing definitely. So long-term future, I Mm. think this traditional accountant model won't exist. Immediate future, I think that model is still there. We've still got a long way to go with AI and technology to get, you know, everyone up to the point where most things can become automated. Mm. Um, We're sort of really in that space already um, with regards to automation. Um, I don't personally outsource, um, but I, I have, 
tried it in the past. Um, I'm keeping a New Zealand model for now, but it's not some, it's something that I haven't closed the door on. Um, sort of ebbing and flowing. Um, it's actually a, a goal of mine is to open an outsourcing unit in Samoa, which is where my fiance is from. And oh, we want to spend our life between two countries. So it's a bit of a mm. personal and business goal for me. Um, so yeah, so in the immediate term, I think things are shaking up definitely long-term won't be able to maintain that traditional model that you've got. It won't succeed. And so where that takes us like from out from like me as a business owner with my team and and, and upskilling them, you know, we're getting from the outset, I'm getting my team involved with client meetings. So they're not relying on me, you know, mm. that they, they have those relationships already because it's all about relationships. Definitely. Um, so, so that's an immediate thing that we're taking action with right now. Mm. Um, and then our role really is, is becoming coaches and advisors and support, you know, a support person. It's meeting with your clients more regularly. Uh, once a year is not enough. Mm. Um, it, it, twice a year is not enough. Um, it's, yeah. uh, sending GST returns and saying this is what you have to pay is not enough. It's how mm. this is how the week, the the two periods are gone. You know, do you need some help with this? We're seeing this trend or this change. It, it's being really um, proactive. Mm. And I said earlier, that is only, I believe, uh, people will correct me, I'm sure, but I find personally that's only achievable if you've got your foundations and your systems and your processes in place because you still need that core base. Definitely. I think you're totally right. It's all about structure. And and then I totally agree as well around the whole that the folks on relationships and and advisory and how that, that role of the accountant will change. But if... If all of that is built on on shaky foundations, if you don't have the right structures in place, then it's always, yeah, it's going to be more difficult, not as sustainable. It's not going to be as fun, I think, Correct. in terms yeah. of, of giving people the, the opportunities to make the differences they want to make. Um, yeah, if it doesn't have the right foundation behind it, then then it's never going to be as, as fun. People aren't always going to enjoy coming to work and, and, and making the difference they want to they want to achieve. Oh, they'll be under time pressures to to get things mm. done, and the, and then the, then you start dropping quality, and that's just not a place. You know, our profession is held in such high regard; you cannot drop quality. So, quality of you know your your processes and systems is key, and then you're moving mm. into that advisory space. We're pretty lucky, really, because what a um what an exciting future for our industry. Definitely. I think it's it's such an exciting time, and yeah, people talk about disruption, which I think is is. It's always exciting, but sometimes it has kind of like negative con- connotations. But I think in terms of, of evolution and, and change and opportunity, it's the time really is now. And you could argue that it's maybe long overdue, some people might say, but um, but it's it's all about the present and then yeah. looking to the future. And I think there's um, there, there's an amazing opportunity. And with everything that, that you and your team are doing, it's uh, it's clear to see that you're you know, you're lighting the pathway for for many other firms to follow as well. Yeah, it's, I'm really excited about our industry and it's probably the first time of in my career that I've strangely I was thinking about it this morning probably because um you know I knew you and I were catching up it's like mm. can I see myself in 10 years time still doing what I'm doing? And the answer is mm. yes, but in a different way. So I can still see myself owning this business in 10 years' time and building it, in a, but in a different way, the coaching, the advisory. Um, I could never have said yes to that question in any of my previous roles. Mm, interesting. So maybe I've just found my my wee knack that I like, that I enjoy. Yeah. 
And I think, as you say, it takes some time for, for us to find that. And sometimes you have to, yeah, we have to have the experiences that came in the past for us to be right here, right now. And some of those experiences were amazing. Some of them were, were more learning experiences. But but the fact that we had them all, it all has to happen for us to be now in, in that position saying this is this is what I want to do next. And I really um, think we need to say, portray that message to, to teenagers at high school. Definitely. It's a lot of pressure in I that think, space. Uh, yeah, well, my, my oldest child is about to, to go into, into high school next year and, and yeah, do that teenage journey, which I am not ready for. I feel far too young <laughs> well, to have, so a, have a teenage I'm so far from ready for that. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> I know. But I think you're right. It's, if we, yeah, even if we think about kids and teenagers in general, not even ones that are thinking about going to accountancy, but but helping them to understand the the journey is long. Everything is a learning experience. But but going back to what we were saying about taking those opportunities and thinking how can I how can I create those opportunities as well is is such a powerful lesson to learn. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Less pressure on them and like, yeah, enjoy the journey too. Really enjoy mm. the the road. It's pretty fun. Exactly. <laughs> I know it certainly is, and there's many more, uh, many more laps to go as well. Uh, Kirsty, I am aware of time. I know we're we're coming to the end of this episode. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. We do have one final question, which is the secret question, which I haven't <laughs> told you about. Uh, as as is the tradition on Make It Count, we do have uh, one of the previous guests on the show setting a question for the current guests. So the good news here is that you get to set a secret question for one of our future guests. So Ooh. I haven't seen this now. So the um, the secret question that has been asked of you, if I try and decipher the uh, this person's handwriting, um, it could be uh, it's quite a relevant one. What do you know now that you wish you'd known at the start of your accounting career? The, the people relationship piece mm. absolutely that that's what it's all about definitely I love that and, and you're so right and I think having having that that knowledge now and as we all do in in our roles focusing on on the people side of it and relationships is such a yeah, a key part of success and um and like many things it's uh, it's an ongoing learning journey as well Oh yeah, you know, and, and don't ever stop learning. That's that's the fun, definitely. And that's what will um, hold you instead uh, of others, ahead of others, and in, in your in your profession. No, couldn't agree more, Kirsty. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on Making It Count. If people want to, to to reach out to you, if they want to connect with you, if they want to, to connect with Sidekick Ashburton, where do they find you? If you're looking for an accountant or an advisor um, and you're in Ashburton, so psychicashburton.co.nz. Um, but if you head to that website and you're anywhere else in the South Island, we have offices all over the South Island. So head to our website and, um, and yeah, feel free to reach out, click, click a link, and um, we're always happy to discuss how we can help you grow your business. Um, if you do want to reach out to me personally, but you're based in, say, Wanaka, I'm happy to introduce you to someone in, in the area that you are as well. But, yeah, thanks for your time, Freddie. It's been awesome. 
Perfect. No, it's been awesome for, for me as well. I say so you never quite know where these conversations are going to go, but um, but I love it when they go in these directions. It's, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's always, always the most fun. Yeah, exactly. We always go get Tony Robbins here, <laughs> <laughs> but we will put those links in the in the show notes for um for people to to connect with your firm and connect with you as well. But for now, Kirsty, thank you for your time. It's been a pleasure having you here on Make It Count, and we'd love to have you back for a future episode as well. So. Thank you for being part of the show. Oh, awesome. Now I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I hope today's episode informed, educated, motivated, and inspired you to make it count for your clients and your business. Make sure you check out the show notes of this episode for the all important links. Please hit subscribe, share it with the world, and don't forget to give us a five-star review. We love getting feedback on this show, and I'd love to hear which part resonated with you the most. Remember, you have got the skills, talent, expertise, and experience to make a huge difference in the lives and businesses of your clients. The days of the bean counter are over. It's time to make it count. I'll see you on the other side.